This morning, we're going to dive into a passage which it sure challenges me, and uh, I suspect it uh, will challenge some of you uh, as well, um, because it's kind of sort of about cost. Uh, This is Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19. These are the words of Jesus. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Gulp. Let's pray. Father, we... uh, We dive into this text this morning and uh, we live in a world which quite honestly uh, gives us the very opposite advice. And if we're being honest, we very often buy into that advice. So God, we need you to teach us and to speak to us because our ultimate desire as disciples of Jesus is to become more like him, to understand his teaching and then live in it and out of it. So would you help us do that this morning as we study together? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, imagine, if you can, you know, use the imagination noodle there. You are standing in a junkyard. You got it pictured? You're standing in a junkyard. Everything around you was once an object of great value. Uh, there was a day when it was bright and shiny and new, and somebody said, oh, I want that. I'm, I'm willing to pay good money for that. And then, you know, the moth got it, uh, or the rust got it, or a thief got it, or it just got old and nobody wants to got it anymore. They just don't want it. It's junk. And the point is this, it didn't last and nobody wants it now. And here's kind of the universal truth, friends. Stuff, whatever stuff is, is just that way. All the stuff you have now is going to end up in a junkyard. You're only a middleman until it gets to the junkyard. The only difference between the merchandise in a junkyard and the merchandise that you find at Nordstrom's or Best Buy or the BMW dealer, the only difference is time. Treasure is junk waiting to happen. Do you know that? Uh, I saw an ad for a really, really expensive watch not long ago. And it said, and I'm probably going to mispronounce the name. I'm not sure, quite sure how to pronounce the name. It said this, you never actually own a Patek Philippe or Felipe. You merely look after it for the next generation. Now, the platinum version of this watch, I'm not making this up. This particular watch is $1,230,000. Do you know what this watch does? tells time. (laughs) It does what this watch does. (laughs) It tells time, right? Uh, And yet that watch, that platinum watch will one day, it may may take a while, longer than this watch, I assure you, but, but that watch will one day wind up in a junkyard. One day. 
You see, friends, we are treasure-loving, treasure-hunting people. But the truth is, junk is just treasure plus time. That's what junk is. That beautiful car you love to drive is going to someday wind up in a junkyard. I promise you. Uh, The valuable watch that you might have, even if it's platinum, will one day, someday end up in a junkyard. That expensive table, those wonderful clothes, junkyard someday. You can get a a sub-zero refrigerator. Anybody heard of a sub-zero refrigerator? Yeah, these are really good refrigerators. Um, Apparently they last a long time. Uh, Do you know what they do? They keep food cold, yeah. Um, And uh, I guess they do that really well and that's just wonderfully amazing. Uh, I kind of looked this up because I was curious about sub-zero. There are different kinds of like, you know, grades of the sub-zero fridge. A 29 cubic foot um, sub-zero refrigerator, the basic model, this means no glass in the door and, and, you know, no bells and whistles, just the basic model, is well over $10,000. And I I just want to tell you, it's still going to be junk. One day it will be junk. It's just junk waiting to happen. One consumer advocate claims that uh, Sub-Zero is actually the IQ of anybody that would pay that much for a refrigerator. (laughs) That's what he said, not me. Here's the thing, for weeks now, months actually, we've been learning together from the greatest talk ever given, the greatest talk of all time. It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus teaching there on that hillside. And this week we were getting wisdom from Jesus uh, about treasures and treasuring. Uh, And there are, you know, some religious traditions, not Christianity, but some religious traditions that say our problem is that we have desires, uh, that we get attached to stuff. And that attachment leads to our suffering, you see. And so we should learn not to desire anything at all. That's what religions of that nature say, because you see the road to the good life is the elimination of all desire. Well, I wanna be really clear in the teaching this morning, uh, Jesus does not say that. Uh, Jesus does not say that you should not have treasures. Uh, People sometimes misunderstand this about Christianity and they tend to think that Christianity is an anti-treasure kind of religion. But, But because Jesus made us, Jesus understands us. Because Jesus came from up there and lived down here and walked among us, he fully, completely, entirely, and totally understands us. And his claim is that everybody has treasures. Everybody has treasures. Human beings are by nature treasuring creatures. God actually made us that way. Uh, We probably ought to define treasure since we're talking about it. A treasure is something you seek to keep because of the value that you place on it. That's a treasure. Uh, And we see this even in young little human beings, children we call them. Um, They get attached to things, things that don't necessarily have a monetary Value, You know, they'll get attached to a stuffed animal or they'll get attached to a blanket that frays at the edges, right? Doesn't have to be financially valuable. Our children, many, many years ago when they were little and growing up, they had treasures like a blankie, I think we called it, you know, and uh, they had stuffed animals and so that were precious that they treasured and you couldn't go anywhere without them having their blankie or their stuffed animals. 
Parents, is it still that way? You know, if you still that way? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the thing. We have a grandchild today who treasures a rubber gecko lizard. No idea why, he just does. That's probably bad parenting involved there or something, I'm not sure. I mean, to me, the lizard belongs in a junkyard, but to him, treasure. It's a treasure. Everywhere he goes, he's got to have this black rubber gecko lizard. Now, uh, nothing degrades a person, whether we're talking about a child or whether we're talking about an adult, more than to scorn the thing that they treasure. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is, even somebody who's uh, living, living homelessly, living on the street, living in a park, you know, we think of that as being a person who, who has no treasure. Uh, somebody in prison, uh, somebody once upon a time in a concentration camp, we, we think of people like this as being people who just, they, they have no treasures, but that's actually not often the case. Uh, you know, that homeless person will have something that they highly, highly value and prize and treasure. So also that person in a prison or even somebody who may have had the awful experience of being in a concentration camp, they will often have a letter, a photo, an item that to them is very precious. To them, it's a treasure. Um, sometimes if this happens if somebody that you know and that you love passes away. Um, often they have something that's financially, it's, it's worthless. I mean, in other words, there's not a material value to it. Uh, it could be an article of clothing. It could be a picture, something they wrote, something they made perhaps. And to you, it's a treasure. It's actually priceless. Something you wouldn't give away. It's something you wouldn't sell. You see, treasuring is actually a deep and wonderful part of what it means to be human. Now, the Greek word in this passage of Jesus' teaching for treasure uh, is the word that might surprise you. It's the word thesaurus. Um, that's where we get our word thesaurus, uh, a treasure trove, a treasure store of words and of meaning. And our lives, understand, are meant to be treasure stores, a thesaurus, of meaning. Uh, Jesus uses a variation of that word for treasure five times in the first few sentences of that passage that we read together a moment ago. So again, just to reiterate, don't, don't feel badly about treasuring that that's something that you do. God actually put that capacity in us and actually loves that about us and loves it when we freely express, when we freely treasure something. So Jesus doesn't say, don't treasure anything. He says, don't treasure the wrong things. Because there are all kinds of implications and ramifications around treasuring the wrong things. He says, don't wrap your eternal heart because that part of you that the Bible calls the heart is that part that thinks and feels and attaches itself and places value. Jesus is saying, don't wrap your eternal heart around earthly treasures. And it's not because they're bad. It's just because they don't last. And so an eternal heart shouldn't wrap itself around something that's not eternal, something that's not going to last. Uh, those things are temporary. All earthly treasures are temporary. If a moth doesn't get them, rust will. If rust doesn't get them, well, then a thief will. And if a thief doesn't get them, well, then probably your greedy little kids will when you die, kind of a thing. No, I'm kidding. But whatever that stuff is, it's just going to wear out and give out and burn out and rust out and run out. It will not last. That's the point. But not you. 
You remember we've talked about this a couple times as we've studied the Sermon on the Mount together. Jesus uh, has a certain metaphysical point of view. In other words, there are certain things that are real and there are certain things that are not so real. And one of the things Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount is that there's this this whole thing of, of God the Father. He's the most real thing there is and yet he's unseen. And yet he's the most real thing that there is. And in addition to that, there's this thing called the kingdom of God. That's the place, of course, where the will of God is done. And that too is more real than any kingdom here on earth. More real. It's going to outlast every kingdom here on earth. And these things uh, are the most real things that there are. Now, physical stuff, it's real too. You're sitting in a chair. It's real, I hope. It's real. But it's not going to last. It's only atoms and molecules. And in our world that's broken and fallen, according to the Bible, that's an idea that comes out of the Bible, that things are not in our world the way they're supposed to be. Because that, that is the case, things are degrading and declining. There's a theory called something. What is that? The theory of entropy? Yeah, energy's being spent, things are winding down, and that's just kind of true. Uh, physical stuff um, is that way. And so we're not uh, to treasure things that do not last. Now, of course, you need a treasurer to have a treasure, don't you? Um, and, and God has actually made us to be treasurers. Now, not only are we treasurers, or let's just acknowledge that we are, the very fact that we are a treasuring creature means we need a strategy for treasuring. I mean, think about this. What is your strategy for what you will treasure? Do you have one that you're aware of? Or you just, you just kind of go with the flow? You know, a lot of people in our day are what is called market timers. And they watch the stock market, you know. And uh, they invest very carefully. When the stock market goes down, that's a good time to buy, right? Buy stocks. And then uh, you want to sell it when the market's high. They're market timers. IBM Big Blue first got listed on the New York Stock Exchange in 1915. Question, if you had acquired one share of its stock on that day back in 1915, how much would you be worth today? Why don't you take a minute and just share with the How much would you be worth today, do you think? The answer, pretty simple, the answer is zero because you would be dead. You would be worth nothing at all. You wouldn't be here, you see. Here's the point. We, uh, we have a way of forgetting this, don't we? <laughs> that we're not going to be here forever. Jesus never forgets this. He never forgot this when he taught. When he talked about God and talked about the kingdom of God and he talked about the kingdoms here on earth, Jesus never forgot this. You see, people always want to time the stock, at mar- the stock market, right? Buy low, sell high. Well, of course. Well, here's what you need to know when it comes to this, this idea of having a strategy for treasuring. Jesus is the ultimate market timer on this. Understand, there are only two markets, only two markets, and it's not a high market or a low market. The two markets are one market is temporary, temporary stuff. The other market is eternal heavenly things, things that will go on and on and on and on. And Jesus is very bearish 
on the earthly market. He's not too excited about that market as a place to invest, but he is extremely bullish when it comes to the heavenly market, laying up treasure in heaven. The writer of Proverbs uh, has a, it's really a, a kind of a comical way of picturing you know, stuff and, and money and the value that it has. He says this, it says, cast but a glance at riches and they are gone for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Another way of saying that, there's a line uh, in an old poem that goes like this, that money talks, I'll not deny. I heard it once, it said goodbye. <laughs> same thing, same thought as the writer of Proverbs. Understand, Jesus is very pro-treasure. And he gives the greatest investment tip or strategy for making investments that, that's ever been given. This is what he says. He says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's Jesus' advice. Now, the most important command in the Bible in the Judeo-Christian tradition is this command, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That is actually a command to treasure, to treasure God above all things, above everything else, to love him, to think about him, to worship him, to delight in him, to meditate on him, to adore him, to thank him, to serve him, to prize him, to be surrendered to his will, to be grateful for his gifts given to you every single day, to be directed toward his purpose, to be secure in his love. Point is, you cannot treasure God too much. You cannot. And treasuring him pays all kinds of dividends, not just now, but all through eternity. Jesus says, any strategy for investing that revolves around storing up earthly treasures is a bad investment strategy. Whether we're talking about the use of your time, your talent, or your treasures. I've heard this analogy before. It's, uh, it's clever and it's, it's a good one. It, it makes perfect sense. In fact, when we hear it, we're like, duh, yeah, oh, that's so true. But we kind of have a hard time bridging it to our real lives. Here, here's the analogy. Imagine that you check into a Motel 6. Anybody ever stayed in a Motel 6? I have, yeah, a number of us. And you're going there for a few days and uh, you're not really, you're not loving your room. You know, uh, so you go to Bed Bath & Beyond and you buy the world's greatest towels. They're so soft and fluffy. And you get that mat for the bathroom floor and you uh, get a shower curtain that's just absolutely gorgeous and wonderful. Then you go to an art gallery and you buy some really expensive, really beautiful paintings. They look great in this room. You hang them up. And then you go to the sleep number store and you get a bed, the most expensive bed you can find, the most comfortable thing you could dial in into whatever your number is. And then you go to Best Buy and you get a 65-inch widescreen TV along with a whole surround sound. It just kills it. It's unbelievable. Then you go to the Persian rug store and you buy one rug after another so that you can completely carpet that room. And you know what? You're in a pretty good room now, a pretty good room. It's, it's actually very, very nice. But guess what? You're checking out in a day or so. So why on earth would you invest huge amounts of resources in something when you are checking out in a couple of days? Nobody in their right mind would do that. Nobody. 
Jesus says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth because you're checking out in a few days. You see, that's a, that's a God's kingdom perspective. That's an eternal perspective. You're, you're only going to be here for a limited amount of time and you don't even know how much time. Neither do I. And, and it's because of that truth that, that, that Jesus says what he says next. And, and this is all about the importance of us understanding that and having that kind of perspective permeate everything that we do with our time, our talent, and our treasure. Jesus says this. Uh, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. And that, this is the part of that text that we read. And when you read it, you're kind of like, boy, that seems like an odd turn. What, what's, he, what's Jesus driving at there? Well, the idea is that to live well, uh, to live in God's kingdom, which is the most real thing there is, I need to see things clearly. I need to see them for, for what they really are. I, I need to be able to identify their real worth, their real value. And the reason I need to do that is because there are forces in this world. There are, in fact, forces in me that move me in a different direction, that cause me to want to be greedy, cause me to want to consume. This is good. Oh, I'm done with that. I want to get another one, a newer one. Uh, chronic discontent in me, lack of generosity. You see, sin in me and sin out there is always moving me in that direction. And it makes me look at the world wrongly, just plain wrongly. Instead of looking at what I have and being grateful, instead of looking at people, people that have needs and wanting to be generous, instead of looking at God and being confident and being secure about the future because I believe he's going to take care of me, I look at others who have more than I do and I envy them. I want what they have. I want more than they have. You see, that's the darkness that Jesus is talking about there in verse 23. There's an old parable that sometimes gets attributed to a Danish philosopher named Soren Kierkegaard. I don't think we know for sure if it was him that, that came up with this, but it's, it's a clever analogy and it makes a great point. Um, the parable goes like this. Some thieves one night break into a jewelry shop, but instead of taking the jewelry, what they do is they, they switch all the price tags. They just move them all around. Every, everything's got a different wrong price on them, right? And the next day shoppers come in to buy and no one knows the real value of anything. People spending a fortune to acquire things that actually normally would cost much, much less. They're, they're things that are worthless by comparison to the price that they're paying. All because somebody has come in and switched the price tags. Now understand his point is that this is what sin does to us. Um, it messes up the price tags and it causes us to value things that are just quite honestly, really not that valuable. Again, the eye is the lamp of the body, Jesus says. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. You will value things and people wrongly. You will have the price tags wrong. You will make terrible investments with the time, the talent, the treasure that you have. Jesus says, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Well, it's very great. 
It affects everything I do. It affects what I give my attention to, what I give my resources to, what I give my time to. It's a very great darkness if I have the wrong price tags on things. So question, just curious. I mean, it's good for us to ask ourselves this. How are your eyes? You have good eyes? Or are your eyes bad? What strategy do you use to put the price tags on things? Friends, all day long, you know, we walk through this world filled with what God treasures most. And that's people. But we very often miss seeing their value. Uh, there's this beautiful statement in the Old Testament, and it's a, it's a statement about the character or the heart of God, you know, what he values, what he treasures. Uh, and it says this, as Deuteronomy 32 says, for the Lord's portion, his inheritance, you know, what's important to him. For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, which is another name for Israel, the nation of Israel. Jacob, his allotted inheritance. Again, for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, his allotted inheritance. You see, what makes that a striking statement is that other gods in the ancient world were known for using people. That's why people were here, to be used by the gods. Only the God of the Bible treasures people. Another question. Are you aware of that? Are you aware of just to what degree God treasures you? This is a staggering truth, friends, of Scripture. Uh, God is so determined to treasure you that he sent his son Jesus to live among us, to teach us like this text that we're studying, but not just live and teach. Jesus came to die and did so on a cross to pay for your sins and mine. And not just for you and not just for me, but for all of his children. We, it's like there's an invisible price tag hanging on our chest, right? That says eternal. It says made in the image of God. It says priceless. It says worth the life of my one and only son. So understand you see, we live in a world where all the price tags have been switched. So living life in the kingdoms of this earth, you know, with, with earthly values, earthly perspective, very often means that we treasure money and use people. That's how we operate in the kingdoms of the earth. But let me tell you, that's not reality. That's not reality. Reality or living in God's kingdom means that we treasure people and we use money. Exactly the opposite. And coincidentally, we all know this, the deepest desire of the human heart, every human heart is to be treasured. To hear the words, I love you. That's it right there. That's the sweet spot. And I would even argue to hear especially those words, I love you from the one who made us. That's the longing of every human heart. Every human being wants to be 
treasured. Everyone does. And often people think that the only way to be treasured is to find or discover romantic love. Nothing could be further from the truth. Romantic love, like stuff in a junkyard, comes and goes. Am I right? I mean, it does, right? It comes and goes. Sometimes you have, you know, my wife put her arm around me in the first service. I'm thinking, oh, she's interested. (laughs) It's romantic love. Yeah. Okay. What a sweet thing to do. Probably won't be the same when I get home this afternoon, but you know. uh, The love we're looking for is something deeper. I mean, romantic love is great, but the love we're looking for is something deeper, something greater, something even more long-lasting than romantic love. Sometimes churches inadvertently send out the message that only married people uh, really are treasured people. What a mistake it is when we do that, and we are guilty of doing that. You know, we, we allow people who are single to think, well, I guess there's, I'm not really loved. I don't, you know, how do I experience that? Well, I, it needs to be said, and we don't say it often enough, and that is the fact that the love that we're really looking for, this thing of being treasured that we're really looking for most deeply are those words coming from God. I love you. You are priceless. You have eternal value. God treasures you, married or single, divorced or separated, rich or poor, black or white, atheist or Christian, Muslim or Buddhist, gay or straight, young or old, happy or sad. God treasures the things that he's made. And you can safely say that the God of the universe treasures you and he treasures me. And and you see, this is just vitally important. Jesus actually invites us, or probably it it would be better to say Jesus commands us to learn to treasure what he treasures, namely God, God the Father, and people. He commands us. And Jesus gives us some insight that that actually helps us to develop that same value, to practice this thing of treasuring the right things, putting the right price tags where they belong, God's kingdom and people. Jesus gives us a profound piece of spiritual insight and direction in Matthew 6 here. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, be careful what you decide to treasure because whatever it is, you will put your time and your treasure and your talents into it and your heart will get all wrapped up around that thing. Now, In an odd kind of way, this is actually good news because what it means is we can actually use uh, our money to send it into those areas where we want our hearts to be engaged, where our hearts ought to be engaged because our hearts will follow things like money and the use of our time and the use of our talents. You ever pay a lot of money for something and suddenly you want to protect it and you want to polish it and you want to be around it, and you want to clean it, and you don't want anybody else messing with it. Uh, once upon a time, many years ago, you know, our family was like every young family. We're driving around, and we've got a sedan, you know, and it's me, and it's Holly, and it's the kid, and then it's me and Holly, and the way ours worked, we had two more. We had twins, and they weren't fitting in the sedan too well, so we needed to come up with a workable solution, and uh, so we had to move from a sedan, and in our day, the, the number one uh, perfect family moving vehicle was a Dodge Caravan. 
This was once upon a time, I admit, but it was a Dodge Caravan, the perfect family moving vehicle. So we bought one, it was beautiful, had the fake wood paneling. Any of you remember these? Oh, absolutely gorgeous vehicle. And it had that sliding doors like they had taken a panel truck and they had shrunk it a little bit and they made it lower to the ground. And now you had a side door where you could just herd, you know, all the kids in there. It was, it was a fantastic vehicle and it was shiny. It was, oh, it was so nice. So I made rules when we got the car, the kind of thing any sane person would do. There will be no drinks, no food, no gum, no standing on the seats, no markers, no crayons, no hand prints on the windows, no changing diapers on the floor of this van, right? No spitting, no breathing, no nothing in the van. Are we clear? You get the idea. The van was maybe not our, but it was certainly my new treasure. And then we made a trip to Canada. 66 hours in the car with four children. This was a bad formula. One of our kids, whose name will not be mentioned, started feeling queasy to his stomach. Yeah, you know where this story goes, don't you, parents? And he just vomited all over the van. The back of the seats covered in vomit. The floor covered in vomit. The side sliding door, that beautiful, creative side sliding door covered in vomit. And from that day forward, that van was never, ever the same. It was never the same. It went from, tra from a treasure almost to trash instantly. And, and here's the truth. If you want to fast forward that story, one day we got rid of the van. Didn't get rid of the kids. You see, stuff is temporary. Junk is treasure plus time, right? People are eternal. If you invest your money in the kingdom of heaven, in God's kingdom, and in the people that God treasures, I guarantee you, your heart will go there too. Your character will be transformed. You will learn to put the right price tags on the right things. You see, when it comes to money and treasure, I've recommended a very basic plan to people now for decades, and I don't really have a better one now that I'm an old guy. I, I've encouraged people to adopt something called the 10-10-80 plan. And I've mentioned this at least a dozen times over the years. And if you're just starting out in life, the idea kind of works like this. Take the very first 10% of the income that you earn and give it to God. That's an establishment of priority. That's an establishment of faith. And you're having to trust in this God who says he will take care of you. Give it to God. It's called the tithe in the Bible. It's the first 10% right off the top. And then take the next 10% and put that right into your savings. See, first you honor God with the tithe, then you pay yourself. And you've, you first start an emergency fund with that, that second 10%. Once you've got a good emergency fund, start working on that retirement thing you're gonna need eventually. And then after you've done that, you've still got 80% left over, right? And you learn to live on that 80%. The point is this, don't spend first, spend all you have just to pay bills, spend you know, to buy things that you want or think things that you need or think you need or so on. Instead, learn to live on 80%. Buy stuff, things you want only out of the 80% after you've done something else with that first 10%, give it to God. And that second 10%, emergency plan, retirement, things like that. I know a lot of people who've done this very plan or one very similar. And what happens is over the years, you develop discipline. You stop living off of 100% of what you earn. 
and your income goes up over the years, which means you find yourself now able to live on less than 80% of what you earn as time goes on. And what that means is that frees you up then to give more, to save more, to have greater and greater and greater impact on the world and on the people around you. And when you do that, that is where your heart will then be. Your heart will become like God's heart. You will become a generous person. (laughs) Understatement of the year. Jesus is a generous person. He's unbelievably generous to you and to me. And he wants us to become just like him. You see, when Jesus says store up treasure in heaven, remember, heaven isn't just some place way out there off in the future. The uh, the idea is not just you're going to get a big mansion someday in heaven when you die. You know, the kingdom of heaven is actually right here, right now, not in all its fullness, yet it's right here, right now, and it's growing into the hearts and minds of people. Uh, When I invest in the kingdom of God, then I begin to treasure, uh, to have treasure and and find generosity and meaning and joy right here, right now, not off someday in the future. This storing up treasure in heaven begins now. One good way to do this is the 10-10-80 plan. So just, you know, start with a simple plan like that. And if you've got kids, start teaching this to children. If you give them an allowance or if they do chores and they earn money, help them to learn what to do with the money they have. Very important that you do that. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. We do something uh, here called the Tithe Challenge. Uh, We didn't create it. Other churches have done it. Uh, If you've never tithed before, you can go online and check this out, deercreekchurch.com forward slash give. And uh, there's an explanation there about the tithe challenge and what it is. And it's the idea of starting to give 10% right off the top to God. And if after 90 days, it's not working, uh, it's not sustainable. If God is not clearly involved in your finances, allowing you to sustain that adventure, well, then we will refund that money back to you. No questions asked. That's kind of the short of it. Uh, And since I mentioned that a few weeks ago, I've been told that we have a couple families that actually have, have begun that process. And I would just say to you, whoever you are, way to go. Way to go. You're really taking the thing of wanting to be a disciple and a learner and a follower of Jesus very, very seriously. And I hope the blessing of God is on you and your family and your finances as you reach out and and really seek to honor him. Now, if you haven't done that, but you want to, again, go online, check it out. That's the 101080 thing. And you might be wondering as you sit, sit there, well, you know, if I want to, can I give more than 10%? What's the answer to that? Sure, sure you can. Uh, You may be wondering, can I save more than 10%? What's the answer to that? Yeah, absolutely you can. Uh, If God has given you an income that lets you do that, then absolutely. You may wonder, can I spend more than 80%? What's the answer to that? No! (laughs) That would defeat the whole purpose. No! You see, you want to learn to value what God values. That means learning to live on not everything you make, you see. Live on less. Friends, it's all going to end up in a junkyard someday. Have I made that point yet? So don't let your longing for stuff and comfort and status, don't let those things tell you what to do. Don't let our culture, every ad you see almost... 
on TV or wherever is telling you that the, the key to joy, the key to happiness, the key to the good life is getting more stuff, better stuff. You got to get to get the good life. I'll tell you, when you buy into that kind of thinking, number one, your price tags are all messed up. And number two, all that stuff you're going after, that is your master. That owns you. And that will drive you. And you will never have enough. You'll never have good enough stuff. You need just a little gooder, you see. Um, all going to end in a junkyard someday. Don't let it become your master. This is exactly why Jesus says no one can serve two masters. This thing requires a choice, a decision. Uh, one way to think about this is money is a good tool, but it's a bad treasure. It's a good tool. It's a bad treasure. It's a tool to meet your life's needs, to care for your family, to provide for your retirement, to express your trust in God, to be generous uh, with helping other people. It's a good tool to be a part of God's quest, a part of God's kingdom coming to earth and to make this world the place it should be, bringing up there, down here. But it is a bad thing to make your money, your stuff, your treasure. Because when you do that, it will own you. It will be your master. You see, you'll be shaped. None of us can avoid this. You'll be shaped by whatever you treasure. It's just how we are. If you treasure money, you'll be shaped by greed. Because as I said, you'll never have enough. If you treasure security, you'll be shaped by fear. Because you'll, you'll never be secure enough. If you treasure approval, you will be shaped by the pursuit of reputation because your reputation will never be quite good enough or secure enough. If you treasure success, you'll be shaped by achievements, one achievement after another. If you treasure physical appearance, you'll be shaped by, by vanity, always having to maintain a look or get better looking. You know. If you treasure power, you'll be shaped by arrogance. If you treasure God, you'll be shaped by love and generosity. One last comment here. If you ever find yourself worried about money, if you ever worry about not having enough or not being able to pay your bills or not being able to educate your kids, whatever, if you ever worry about the cost of living or being able to afford retirement, that kind of thing, if you ever worry about money or ever worry about anything else at all, Jesus has in the Sermon on the Mount the most staggering, profoundly life-changing advice and teaching on what to do with the anxiety in your life that has ever been given in the course of human history. And that's next week's message. <laughs> so be with us if you can. Pray with me. Father, these words of Jesus challenge us. They, they, they fly literally directly into the face of the culture we live in and the brokenness that's in us because we, we tend to think we can't trust you and you won't take care of us and and honoring you and giving to you and investing in heavenly things, that all on the surface seems very foolish. We, we want to make ourselves our number one priority. Forgive us for that. Give us greater faith, greater trust, 
give us this day our daily bread, the things that we need to pay our bills, to lay up for the future. But make us investors, God, in the things that really have value. Your kingdom. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.